What's up, everyone? Just say thank you for tuning in today. If you enjoy the show, enjoy the content, just please make sure to rate, subscribe, and follow the page on Instagram at Overcoming the Divide. Thank you. What's up, everyone? Well, welcome the audience to today's mini so which focuses on the or the escalation of tensions between Russia and Ukraine. Now, the ongoing tensions in Eastern Europe are worrying and growing. The other week, I spoke to foreign policy correspondent David Andelman, asking him to give me his thoughts on the situation and the possible outcomes. That episode gives a layout of the situation in a timely manner. Now, however, since the situation is starting to unfortunately look more like a crisis by the day, with the United States deploying even more troops in the region, I decided to invite on Diana Johnstone. Diana Johnstone is a political writer based out of Paris who analyzes European politics and Western foreign policy. I invite her on to give her thoughts on the matter and what could be, say, the more nuanced possible outcomes at this moment. So you might be wondering what's going on over there now. Some of the most recent developments, according to the New York Times and Le Monde, a French news outlet, include the miscalculation of U.S. intelligence officials that expected Putin to wait until the Olympics were over to launch an invasion. Now, he would have waited, or they thought he would have waited, to avoid upsetting the CCP since they are currently hosting the Olympics. Now, apparently, U.S. intelligence picked up that Russia is possibly looking at this upcoming Wednesday for a possible launch which I'm not totally sure how true that is, and neither are they, since they might think that is a possible campaign of disinformation by the Russians. Our Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, has said that, quote, invasion could begin at any time, and to be clear, that includes during the Olympics, unquote. He explains furthermore that U.S. officials, quote, continue to see very troubling signs of Russian, Russian escalation, including new forces arriving at the Ukrainian border, unquote. Now, Biden has ruled out sending U.S. troops to Ukraine if it were to be invaded. However, he has deployed 3,000 more troops to Poland, a fellow member of NATO. Biden and Putin are expected to speak sometime today through a phone call at the White House's request. Now, what's Russia saying in all this? The Russian Foreign Ministry declared these talks of, of war from the West specifically to be U.S. propaganda. The spokesperson for the ministry, Maria Zakharova, that name's not pronounced correctly, stated that, quote, the White House's hysteria is revealing as ever. The Anglo-Saxon need war at any price, unquote. Where's Ukraine in all this? Well, they reported yesterday that Russian-backed separatists are holding military drills in the eastern part of Ukraine. Now, they control these parts, and this is happening simultaneously as Russian forces around the Ukrainian border are holding military exercises as well. The Ukrainian military is warning of a near encirclement of hostile forces around the country. U.S. intel estimates that there are approximately 130,000 Russian forces throughout the area surrounding Ukraine. Western leaders ensure, quote, swift and drastic sanctions if Russia were to invade. This includes Germany's leader, France's president, Emmanuel Macron, and Biden. Now, you may be wondering why this is all happening. Well, one, Ukraine is Russia's neighbor. And the majority of it was a part of the Russian Empire dating back to the late 18th century. Then it was a part of the USSR after World War II, but declared independency after the fall of the Soviet Union in 1991. However, before the official dissolution of the USSR, there was a meeting between the Soviet leader, Gorbachev, and the U.S. Secretary of State at the time, James Baker, under the first Bush administration. 
At this meeting, Secretary Baker said that, quote, there would be no extension of NATO's jurisdiction for forces of NATO one inch to the east, unquote. And Gorbachev later saying that, quote, any extension of the zone of NATO is unacceptable, unquote. Now, this is where Poon draws his points of criticism of the West. However, Gorbachev himself, according to the National Security Review, has admitted these talks were preliminary, no deals were ever formally made, and it was mainly regarding Germany at the time and the future of that country. Nonetheless, this hasn't stopped Poon as using this as a main driver for these escalations. But I must say, I can't exactly blame Putin either. Now, before going any further, let me just point out that Poon is for all intents and purposes an authoritarian ruler who represses critics and political opponents, which means he's a pretty terrible person. With that, that still doesn't mean the man doesn't have a point in his strongman stance against Ukraine joining NATO. For one, Ukraine is in Russia's sphere of influence. There are Russian citizens throughout Ukraine, and there are geopolitical security interests tied to Ukraine as well. For example, on the westward part of Ukraine runs the European plain, which also leads into Russia meaning there is no real geographic boundary between the two countries. No rivers, no mountains, no hills, no nothing. Just flat land, which is extremely difficult to defend. Now, if Ukraine were to join NATO, Russia would have to upscale their defense spending drastically, and that would even just be a band-aid over the gash. This plain and overall area I speak of has been used against the Russians before, dating back to World War II. This is when German soldiers rushed across what is today the south, southwestward part of Ukraine into Russia in an attempt to cut off the Russian heartland from the Black and Caspian Sea, which would have been absolutely devastating for the Russians. And the only reason this failed was because of the ego of one man, Adolf Hitler, who wanted to humiliate Stalin and capture the city named after him, Stalingrad, present-day Volgograd, instead of keeping his eyes on the prize. Moving past this history lesson now, you may understand that a NATO member country being on the border of Russia is a strategical vulnerable position for them and is unacceptable in Putin's eyes. The reason Ukraine joining NATO is such a red line cross for Russia is also because of Article 5 in the Charter, which states that an attack on one is an attack on all, which was only ever used once by the U.S. following the events of 9-11. Now, the ideal scenario for Russia and Putin is Ukraine being federalized where Ukrainian states would have great levels of autonomy and the ones closest to Russia, both geographically and relationship-wise, would serve as their buffer between the West and Russia. However, this would most definitely not happen without an invasion first and Ukraine submitting to terms such as the ones I recently discussed. So why doesn't Putin just invade at this point? Well, the ramifications both domestically and internationally could be holding him off. Long wars at home are widely unpopular, as Russia has seen before in Chechnya. And they are also widely expensive. And with the international sanctions that would come with war, which could easily lead to a humanitarian crisis in the region, as well as costing the elite oligarchs of the country, it would most certainly destabilize Putin's already widely positioned as the leader of Russia. Therefore, Putin has to weigh the consequences of letting Ukraine join NATO one day and expanding an already massive vulnerability, versus invading Ukraine and possibly seeing his position as leader of Russia slip between his hands. I would like to say that I don't believe Ukraine joining NATO does that much for the West, besides escalating tensions as we have already seen. Like, what crucial element does Ukraine bring to the table? 
I don't think we should exactly give in to the demands of Putin, nor sacrifice Ukraine as some kind of lamb to the Russians and that we shouldn't stick up for democracy. But at the same time, I think our leaders should understand what Ukrainian NATO membership means for Russia. Only time will tell how this plays out. But I think we should keep in mind, in this case, the old Civil War quote, which is, it's a rich man's war, but a poor man's fight. I appreciate you tuning in today. And be on the lookout for next week with Diana Jones, an expert in this field of West foreign policy and European politics. That'll be released sometime next week. And enjoy the rest of your weekend.